We're going to read first from Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 24 to 28. And Ezekiel says the words that God gave him, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a a, a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. And now these words from Romans, Romans 8, 1 to 17. Life through the spirit. Therefore, Paul tells us, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus... The law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Have you ever had to transfer a really large sum of money, like you've bought a new car or something like that, or you've... um, 
made a contribution to your house that you're buying when you get a loan, it can be really unsettling. I read in the the news a little while ago about a lady who was buying a, a Tesla and somehow the email with the payment details got intercepted by scammers and so she got different bank details and instead of transferring her $70,000 to the seller of the Tesla, she transferred it to some scammers who knows where. It's the stuff of nightmares. Now, I've not really done that many large transfers of money before in my life, but the times that I have, I, I found myself sitting there on the computer, on the internet bank, and I'm thinking to myself, am I really sure about this? I've checked the numbers, the count numbers 20 times. But am I sure that it's the right numbers for the right people? I know that if I get it wrong, you know, that's it for me. There's no other secret stash of money somewhere. If I'm buying a car, it means I'm going to be riding a lot of of my bike for the years ahead. If I'm buying a house, it means there's going to be six of us crammed into a caravan for the rest of my life. I, I find myself wishing I could just sort of walk in and plonk down money bags of cash on the counter and as I'm I'm sitting at the computer about to hit pay now I just want to be sure that it's actually going to work have you ever had that kind of feeling of uncertainty with God have you ever had had that kind of question in your mind that says am I putting my eggs in the right basket here am I right to trust God am I really right to bet everything only on trusting God how do I know that this is really going to work it feels a little bit like you're transferring all of your money online seeing it disappear into the ether but not really knowing if it's worked and when it comes to God the stakes are higher they're higher than you know facing a life in a caravan with six kids oh no four kids it feels like six (laughs) six people the stakes are far higher now this year, across the whole year, we've been, we've been looking at different times at, at this letter to the Romans and, and we've seen what Paul is saying the stakes are. We've seen that we stand condemned before God. All of us condemned, completely without excuse. And we've seen that, that the law is not going to back us out of this problem. The best that the law can do is point us powerfully to the fact that there is a problem there. We've seen that there's nothing that we can do that, that can fix the problem. The only solution, the solution is Jesus. We, we saw that back in chapter 3, verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. The solution is, is a transfer of sorts, but a, a transfer that's a free gift where my guilt is, is transferred to Jesus and his righteousness is transferred to me. And it's not a transfer like a business transaction. We saw that in chapter 6. It's a relational connection to Christ. As we have faith in Jesus, as we surrender ourselves to him, we are in Christ. And so at this point in the letter now, Paul draws a whole heap of these threads together and he says exactly what this means for us. He says in chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Christ Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, you don't stand condemned. The transfer, it really has happened. But for some of us, there's still a lingering question. How can I be sure it's happened? 
I don't know about you, but my faith in, in Christ, it just feels so inadequate, so flimsy, so insubstantial. I can't measure it, can't touch it. I can't guarantee that it'll be in good condition tomorrow. I know Jesus and I know he's wonderful and I don't doubt that, but what I do doubt is me. How can I be sure that I'm not condemned? How can I be sure that this isn't just talking about other people out there? Because I don't, I don't feel strong enough to even hold myself in Jesus. I'm not 100% confident that I can do even that. There's Jesus and what he's done. You know, and here's me and I, I, I trust him. But is it really just my trust, my faith that is holding me to Jesus? Is that it? Do you ever feel like that? What God says to us in this part of the Bible is no, there's a, there's a lot more going on than that. We really can be confident that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the first reason we can be confident is because the Spirit makes it impossible that you will ever be condemned. The Spirit makes it impossible that you'll ever be condemned. Look at verse 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We're not on our own trying to hold ourselves onto Jesus. There's a different law or different principle that's at work on our behalf. There's the Spirit who gives life at work. And the work the Spirit is doing is to set you completely and utterly free from any connection that you have to sin and death. We can't do that. That's what we see here. We, we can't set ourselves free. But through Jesus, the Spirit has done this for us already. Look at verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, we are the weak link. It, it's true. So what does God do? What we were powerless to do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. And this is what we've seen right across this letter so far. Jesus took the punishment for our sin onto himself. He took our condemnation and he did it, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met not in him, in us. We can't be righteous by anything we do, but by being in Jesus, we are now fully righteous in God's eyes, which means there is now no condemnation, none, never. Now, that's what we've, we've seen so far, powerfully across this letter to the Romans. But how can we be sure? How can we be sure that we're not just appreciating what God has done from a distance, like a painting? How can we be sure that what Jesus has done counts for us? And the answer is, if you have faith in Jesus, you can be sure because we are those who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We live in the new way that the Spirit has made possible. If we have faith in Jesus, it's the Spirit who is holding us to the eternal life. 
that's found in Jesus. Do you remember um, playground equipment like the old-fashioned maypoles? There was still one of these in a park where I grew up when I was young. Do you remember when you were trying to hold on as, as you get spun around, but, but you can feel yourself getting pulled away and um, in danger of being flung off? You know, there's, there's kind of modern-day tamed-down versions of these things in parks still. Have you seen them around? There's one near me. Um, still, most of us haven't, I don't imagine, have been on this kind of thing since we were kids. The stakes are just too high now. You know, when you're a kid, you just sort of bounce a few times and get up laughing. These days, as an adult, you know there'll be no laughing, or at least not from you. Plenty of bouncing and not any getting up anytime soon. Anyway, a couple of months ago, I saw one of these in a park near me, and I was like, kids, everyone grab on. I thought I'd give them the old experience of what it felt like to be spun around. But I went a little bit too far, and a couple of them ended up face first in the bark on the ground. They just, they just couldn't hold on, even though apparently they were desperately trying to. That feeling of, of slipping away, being unable to hold on, Sometimes we think of our connection with Jesus like that, don't we? Like all there is between condemnation and not condemnation is our ability to hold on with faith, our strength of faith. But what God is telling us here is that our connection to Christ is not like that. You're not there on your own trying to hold yourself onto Christ as if you ever could. There's a force far greater than you could ever dream or imagine, who is binding you to what Jesus has done for you. When we have faith, when we have any faith, the presence of God, the Spirit, is holding you. I've never been um, bungee jumping, and similar to Maypoles, I think that ship sailed for me now. But I've tried to imagine when I've I've seen you know uh, it on TV, I've tried to imagine what it would be like And I reckon it's an exercise in faith. You know, when people are doing it, they're putting their lives and their confidence in the people running the program and in the equipment. But nonetheless, I can confidently tell you it's not their faith that makes for a successful jump. Because you can have all the faith you want and jump, but that's not what's going to hold you up. It's the bungee cord that does all the heavy lifting. If all you had was the Velcro around your feet and the solid bridge and you step up and you jump, but you didn't have the bungee cord, that would be truly terrifying. That's a bit like that for us. As we put our faith in Jesus, we're not trying to hold him in our own strength alone. We jump with confidence because the Spirit of God connects us, binds us powerfully to the work of Jesus. If our faith is in Jesus, even even if it's weak faith, then God's spirit is at work within us and that means it's just impossible that we will be condemned because you're bound to what Jesus has done for you more powerfully than you could ever dream or imagine. Absolutely everything that Jesus has accomplished is yours, not because of you, but because of the spirit of God. And doesn't that just blow your mind? And doesn't it just fill you with confidence? And that's only one reason that we should be confident coming from this passage. The next reason is because if you're in Christ Jesus, the Spirit makes it impossible that you will be hostile to God. 
If you're in Christ Jesus, the Spirit makes it impossible that you'll be hostile to God. Now, we can think, but what if I fall out of love with God? Or what if I live in a way that despises him? You know, what if he gets sick of me and then despises me? But look at verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you don't belong to Jesus, your, your mind's set on things that don't please God. Your mind's set on what, what you want, on what pleases you, satisfies you. If it pleases you to be generous, you will. If it pleases you to be kind, you will. If it doesn't please you to be those things, you won't. You don't live with reference to God. You live with reference to self. And this way of living in verse, five, in verse 6 is death. In verse 7, it's hostility to God. In verse 8, it's impossible for you to please God. This sounds so absolute, doesn't it? And it is. But so it should be. Think about it this way. A soldier can work incredibly hard. He can be a good bloke, a good friend. He can be brave. He can even make incredible sacrifices for other people. He could even risk his life for his friends. But if he's a soldier who's fighting for the Taliban, then none of these things add up to us being pleased about that in the end because he's fighting against us. Well, unless we belong to Jesus, nothing we do adds up to pleasing God because we're against him. Even the best we do, we, we don't do with him in mind. But if you belong to Jesus, your mind is set on what the Spirit desires. This is just describing reality. It's just the way it is for us. If we belong to Jesus, it's impossible for us to be hostile to God. We might have moments where we feel like that, but that's not our ongoing mindset because we've changed sides. It's binary. It's one or the other here. There's no kind of middle halfway ground. Look at the way Paul puts it in verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Do you have faith in Jesus? It might be weak. It might be faltering. But my question is, do you trust Jesus at all? Because if you do, then you have the spirit of God living in you. And you belong to Jesus. And so you belong to the realm of the Spirit. Which means it's not us alone, isolated, trying to hold on to Jesus and, and trying to keep God happy with us. We're in close, intimate connection with God by His Spirit at work within us. And He's at work in our minds and our hearts. And that means it's, it's impossible for us to accidentally end up hostile to God. Because... The spirit living in us works in us to want what he wants. As a parent, I can tell you what approach I don't take. What I don't do is, is give them a roof over their heads and leave out food for them, but pretty much leave them to their own devices you know, thereafter. I do that with my chickens at home, but not with my kids. With the chickens, you know, I pretty much leave them to do whatever they want. I have very little to do with them. I leave them to process the world and make of it 
whatever they want to. But that's not my approach with being a parent. And I hope you don't take the pet chicken approach with your kids if you have them. With my kids, I interact with them. And I try really hard to stay close to them. And I'm working hard as much as I can to help them want what I want for them. Not because I'm an egomaniac, but because what I want for them is their good. I want them to love God above all else. I want them to love people genuinely. I want them to put others above themselves. But I I, I want them to do that in a a sustainable, life-giving kind of way. I want them to be happy, but not to pursue happiness as the highest good. I want them to be self-confident, but not proud. I want them to be content in who they are, happy enough with how they look, at peace with that. I want them to be compassionate and I want them to pull their weight and contribute to family and society. I want them to care for the environment. I even want them to be kind to animals. There's an awful lot that I want for my kids and there's no way I'm just going to leave them to it like chickens and see if it happens. I won't force them to want what I want. It wouldn't work anyway. But I will try to make the most of every opportunity as it comes up to shape them. Now, if that's me, a flawed selfish and you've already heard at times incompetent parent then how much more will God be at work within us shaping us to want what he wants you can be confident that that's what he's doing if you belong to Jesus he's not going to let you become hostile to him it's not all smooth sailing just like trying to shape a, a teenager is not smooth sailing for a parent but God's got this he's not a flawed parent The spirit is at work within our minds, within our hearts, and we can be sure that he will will lead us to want and desire life and peace and what pleases God. He's just not going to let us become hostile to him. If you belong to Jesus, the spirit makes it impossible that you'll ever be condemned. The spirit makes it impossible that you'll be hostile to God. And the next reason to be filled with confidence is because if you're in Christ Jesus... The Spirit makes it impossible that you will stay dead. Death is coming for all of us, and it's coming because of the mess of this world. And it's coming even for those of us who do belong to Jesus. And so it's natural for us to think, well, how can I be sure that that's not the end for me? How can I be sure that, that my life is safe with God even beyond death? And we see how we can be sure in verse 10. But if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you by the Spirit being in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Our bodies will still die because of sin. But because the Spirit connects us to Jesus' righteousness, we won't face God's judgment. Even though death is is so strongly linked to judgment, because the spirit links us to jesus he'll give us life and we see the kind of life he gives us in verse 11 if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you do you see what this means you're not vaguely linked to the work of jesus somewhere in the distant past Your mind, your heart, your 
very being is home to the infinite, all-powerful, life-giving God. And it's ridiculous, but it's, it's true. You're not isolated. You're not abandoned. You're not left to your own devices. Even in death, we're reading here, you are not abandoned. If you belong to Jesus, there's a power living within you that is just mind-blowing. And so living after death with a, with a real solid body, it's not only possible, it's actually impossible that we would stay dead. Doesn't that fill you with confidence? If you belong to Jesus, the Spirit makes it impossible that you will ever be condemned. The Spirit makes it impossible that you will end up hostile to God. The Spirit makes it impossible that you will stay dead. And there's one final reason for confidence that we're going to look at today. If you belong to Jesus, the Spirit makes you a child of God irreversibly. Look at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And again, this is just reality. The ones who trust in Jesus are the children of God and we're led by the Spirit of God. And where the Spirit leads us is is not to fear, but to confidence. Look at verse 15. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The idea is that God now considers us full, legally adopted children. And the thing about having children is that it's it's more or less irreversible. I remember when um, Kathy was going through labor with our first child, at one point she said to me, I don't want to go through with this anymore. I didn't know what to say because I felt like if I said it was a bit late for that, it wouldn't be appreciated. (laughs) And then once you've got kids, it has lifelong implications. You might have moments where you think, I want to go back to the kid-free life. That's interesting. So what? Get over it. Guess what? It's permanent. It's irreversible. You're in it to the end and it's wonderful and delightful, of course. There's an enormous security in a family, isn't there? You know, unless things are really dysfunctional, a kid knows that they can be confident that their parents are going to stay their parents for life. Now, if that's the case with flawed humans, flawed human parents, think about what this means for us with God. We can have confidence that God is our Father. If we belong to Jesus, we have His Spirit, the Spirit of adoption so we've been irreversibly adopted and this has not just lifelong implications this has eternal implications look at verse 17 now if we are children then we are heirs heirs of god and co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory so we're not simply no longer condemned We're also now full heirs. We will inherit everything God promises us and there's no doubt about it. You know, we're not like that friend that always hangs around with your kids and and thinks they're a part of the family, but they're really not. You know, the kid who you're like, what are you doing in my fridge? Shouldn't you go home for dinner sometime soon? Do you mind stepping out of the family photo? (laughs) We're not that kid. 
If we trust Jesus, we truly belong to Jesus, which means God's spirit lives within us and we're God's children, destined to inherit absolutely everything he promises us. If you are someone who trusts Jesus, can you see why this part of the Bible should make you 1,000% confident? If you're not someone who trusts Jesus, why not? But then again, maybe you're someone who noticed that there's actually a lot of ifs here. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if Christ is in you, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, if we share in Jesus' suffering. But what it all comes down to is this one if. If you trust in Jesus. Because if you do, then the Spirit of God lives in you and he'll take care of the rest. He'll lead you to live in accordance with him. He'll work in your mind to have what he desires, to set your mind on what he desires. He'll help you to submit to God and to please him. He'll enable you to put to death the misdeeds of the body. He'll move your heart to cry out, Abba, Father. He'll reassure you that you truly are God's child. You are truly God's child. He'll strengthen you to be willing to share in Christ's suffering. These are the things he will do in his time and in his way. They're not our work or our worry. We can be confident that God's got it covered. Sometimes Christians make the mistake of thinking that the Christian life is all about us. It's all about what we do. You know, the Christian life only happens as we hold on and as we make it happen ourselves, alone, isolated. But then sometimes Christians make the opposite mistake of thinking that the the Christian life is not at all about us and what we do. The Christian life only happens as as we let go and, and let God. We do nothing. We just sit on a roller coaster with our hands in the air. But the Christian life is nothing like either of those. The spirit of the living God lives within us and he powerfully works in our lives so that we live out the life that he wants us to live. Now, if I have a car and and there's no engine in it, if you drop the clutch and hit the accelerator, what's going to happen? Nothing, right? But if there's an engine in the car and it's fully tuned and serviced, a massive V8, let's say, And if you hit the accelerator and drop the clutch, what's going to happen? Some people know (laughs) too well. Something is going to happen, right? You might stall. There might be spinning tires. There might be smoke. You might even take out the neighbor's letterbox. But something is going to happen. When we trust Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And so when we go to live God's way, you know, we drop the clutch, hit the accelerator. What's going to happen? something it might not be smooth it might be pretty jumpy it might stall at times but you can be sure that we're going to do things that please god things that the spirit desires things like putting to death the misdeeds of the body even though they only ever seem to die kicking and screaming but it's inevitable because if you trust in jesus you're not alone trying to hold on You're not alone trying to live for God. You're not even alone in death. You're led by the Spirit living in you. You really are a child of God. Let's pray.
Father, help us to accept what is just mind-blowing and so hard for us to get our head around, that because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of his righteousness, we have your spirit living within us. Your presence, your power, your joy. Father, help us to know this and to know because of this, there is now no condemnation even possible for us. Lord, that you will hold us, you will help us to live your way, you will never abandon us in death, but we will truly inherit you and this world restored to the way you want it to be. Lord, may we never doubt, testify to our spirits by your spirit that we truly are your children and help us to know that, to live that and to rejoice in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.